Welcome to the Ascension Podcast. My name is Camille and I'm a life coach. This podcast is focused on personal development, spirituality and creating the life we want. I've got a really special guest here today. I'm going to let him introduce himself in a bit, but hope you guys enjoy it and yeah, sit back and relax. Thanks for being here, bro, today. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. So why don't you tell everyone a bit more about like who you are and where you've kind of come from? Yeah, so my name is uh, Winston, Winston Williams. I live in Denmark and um, moved here about 14 years ago. I've studied psychology and I work as a pedagogue with uh, mentally ill and uh, sectioned uh, criminals in Denmark. Um, I'm also getting into coaching and as a sparring partner for people, help them you know, overcome challenges and, and using some of the skills that I've learned through the job that I do, working with mentally ill, helping them to improve their lives. So that's, that's what I do and that's what I'm about at the moment. Why did you leave us in London? What happened there? Um, yeah, good question. I'm a refugee of love, as you'll find there's many in Denmark where I live. Um, so yeah, I moved to, we met about almost 20 years ago now. Uh, we moved, I moved to Denmark where my ex-wife lives and uh, we have a child together and you know, it's a great country. So despite we didn't manage to make that work as a, as a marriage, we have a great friendship now. I live in a great country and I have my son here, so I decided to stay. Do you ever see yourself coming back? A few years ago, I would have said it was my plan to move back to the UK. Um, and then probably about five years ago, I had a, a conversation, maybe, maybe more recently actually, a conversation with some family who were asking me why, uh, why you come back to England. You know, you've got a good life here, you've got your education here, you've got family here, and started to realize, started to appreciate the, the good things about Denmark. And, you know, from that, from that moment, literally that day I made the decision, you know, I'm going to stay, I'm going to make my life here in Denmark. It's a great country. I don't think anyone moving here would regret it. I've only heard good things. So <laughs> very, it sounds like a very uh, peaceful place, shall we say. It would is. that be accurate? Absolutely. It's, and, you know, I come from London. The last place I lived in London was actually in Bond Street, just behind Bond Street Station. And then I moved out to... Yeah, this town called Aarhus, which is the second largest city in Denmark. And it took me about two years to get used to how quiet it was. I mean, I, I <laughs> was kicking and screaming the first two years, complaining about everything. And, but slowly I started to realize, okay, this is actually a really nice life, really peaceful life. And, you know, I can always jump on a plane and get back to London any moment. But I'm enjoying the peace, the peace here. So. That sounds bliss, man. Was it, did you get to learn any Danish? You must have, right? <laughs> yeah, I made that my priority. Um, so I quit my job when I came here. I knew I wanted to study psychology uh, from before I even moved here. Um, but in order to, you know, I really believed that I needed to integrate into the society if I wanted to have the doors open for me, all the, all the possibilities that are here. And yeah, so I made it a priority to learn Danish. And I learned it within about 16 months. And wow. I, went to, I went to a school which is uh, equivalent of A-levels. To, before I could get into the university and uh, yeah so that yeah 18 months in language school and 18 months on this education really improved my uh, Danish and studying different subjects and studying psychology uh, primarily in Danish even though I could hand in my projects in English um, all those things really helped me uh, develop my Danish language so I'm, I'm fluent now yeah 16 months that's incredible was that the first time you learned a second language um, when I was a teenager, I could speak French. I can understand a little bit of French now. I cannot have a conversation in French. 
but I can, I can get by. Um, so no, I wouldn't say it's the first language I've learned, but it's the first language I've learned so intensely. I was in school four days a week. I was working a weekend job where I had to speak Danish. So, so it was quite intense, but that was also the plan. That was my intention. And they always say it's harder to learn languages as you get older. Because I know, as you said, like when I was in school, we did French, I did Chinese for a bit. When we were in school, that's when it kind of started to click a bit. But then as soon as you leave, it just disappears. Well, that's, that's what happened to my French. I mean, um, you know, I, I just became fluent when I was about 15, 16. And then from 17 onwards, I never used it again. And I've been in France quite a few times recently. And I can see after five or six days of being there, it's like something starts to click inside my head and I can understand what's a lot more what's going on and then I leave. So, mm-hmm. um, But I, I, I don't know if it's really true that uh, it gets difficult as you get older. I think maybe there's other factors that, that play a role because you know I came here when I was 25 and 100% of my focus was on learning the language. Um, and I've heard people who learn languages faster than that. So I think it's just a case of uh, you know sitting putting yourself in the right position having the right environment around you and the right intention and motivation and I think with anything you can learn pretty quickly right you know what? I'm glad you said that because it just made me think of something um I've mentioned this book before in like previous podcasts but there was a study done in this book called Psycho-Cybernetics and yeah. <clears throat> they spoke about our ability to learn and how when we get to about the age of 25 we kind of hit our prime but that doesn't change it doesn't change until we're about 70. So when they say like an old dog can't learn new tricks, that's bullshit. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's, 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 it's intention. If you, if you have a real reason to learn something, you will learn it. But 100%. as we get older, we have a lot more responsibilities. We have a lot more things we need to take care of. So, so your, your, your attention is more divided. Mm, that's true. Multitasking is not, that's weird, isn't it? Multitasking is impossible. Like it's, it's no, physically no. not possible. I, I, I love, one of the, I remember the first two days in psychology university was, uh, they had a, a board with all the myths that uh, people learn about psychology. And one of them was multitasking. That women are better at multitasking than men yeah. are. Like nobody can multitask. So that, that was completely, yeah. It's completely misunderstanding of people who haven't read the literature properly. So. And there's it's quite an interesting uh, concept though to imagine because it, it's with our attention literally cannot be divided. It's just not possible. It can switch very quickly, but it just can't be divided. Yeah, so we had a, I think it was a linguist uh, on one of the one of the lectures we had. And they showed that, they gave the example of when you're trying to listen in on a conversation, how if you're in a conversation and you try to listen in on another, you miss information in one or the other. And it's simply because your brain cannot be in two places at one time. So you, you can quickly hop between the, and if you, you know, if you're, You've got a very abstract and a very quick cognitive mind. I'm sure you can quickly fill in the gaps of the conversation, but uh, you can't 100% concentrate on both at the same time, unfortunately. Do you know what the reasoning behind that is? Um, I think it's just the, the your bandwidth in your mind, the, your ability to process information doesn't allow for two, uh, two, sets of, two sets of information to come through at the same time. There's only enough room for let's just say one and a half just to, to make it easy to visualize. So if you have one going through, you don't have, there's not enough space for the other to get through. So I used the example, uh, I think I told you this previously, I used the example with my son where um, I explained to him that you have, uh, you've got three units which you can use to understand stuff. Then you need two units to understand any one thing at a moment. And um, 
So when you're using those two units, you cannot use that one to do the job of two to understand something else. So, and that's helped me, you know, when you're trying to get your kids ready for school in the morning and they're busy with their iPad or, or something like that and, you know, put your shoes on and you come back five minutes later and they're still, they've got shoes in hand, they've got the iPad, but neither of them is getting done. It's like, okay, put the iPad down, do the things I've asked you to do, and then pick the iPad up and then, then things start to run more smoothly. So. Well, I haven't got around to having kids quite just yet, but uh, <laughs> I look forward to that day. <laughs> There's a lot of exp uh, psychological experiments you can not use on your kids, but it's, it's a lot of stuff becomes practical, like that. It was that just reminded me of. Um, there's a few coaches that I follow, and one of them was saying that their kid is their greatest coach from mm. everything they've they just learned from them, and it's so important to actually focus on what you can learn from your kid. I'm yeah. sure you can relate to that from your experiences. So Absolutely. Far. I mean, my original uh, desire to learn psychology came from a situation when I was growing up, when I was in education. And, you know, I, I, uh, I, I went to school, I went to a grammar school in London and, uh, you know, I just, I didn't want to be there. I was, I had the, had the, I was capable, but the motivation just wasn't there, you know, and uh, I didn't have a lot of freedom as a teenager. And suddenly when I got my freedom, when I was doing my edibles, which was really bad timing. So my focus went everywhere else but where it's supposed to be. And that got me interested to understand about motivation and education and, you know, and behavior and, and how all these things play together. And I guess that's why I've not only wanted to learn psychology, but I've ended up in a job, uh, which is as a pedagogue, which is precisely that. It's about understanding the way different people learn uh, based on background, on mental illnesses and uh, so so I mean, it's, it's quite uh, it's quite easy for me to understand how I got into the field that I'm in now. Could you explain exactly what a pedagogue is? Right so how do I explain this so you want to um pedagogues are looking at uh, the best way to help people learn um, you may have heard of Vygotsky. I have not. Um, so he's a scientist who developed something called the zone of proximate uh, development and basically that's the idea of we learn in steps and um, at each step you need someone it's a good idea if you have someone to help you get to the next step if you think of like an apprentice working with a master you'll be doing a job and the master will every now and again come with little tips to help him develop and over time the, the apprentice becomes his own master as he's learned but if you know if you just gave him a, a something at the highest level and he's down here he doesn't have the tools to be able to do this job so you teach someone the tools how to get there so my understanding of, of pedagogy is uh, is basically helping people find out what they need in order to get to the next step of development um, and i'm sure there's many specialists in pedagogy who are, who are laughing at my answer but it's my understanding that it's, it's a case of understanding people's challenges and helping them to develop despite their challenges or using uh, those specific ways of learning that they have and that's that's pr precisely what I do in my work so we have uh, people with different diagnosis people with uh, very unfortunate backgrounds and you know we help them to find meaning we help them to yeah learn how to be in society learn how to be academically so uh, that's my take on pedagogy in any case so was this something you were working as working as in the UK too, or was it something in only? In no, the no, no. I, in the UK, before I uh, got into psychology, I was actually working in retail. Um, and again, another thing that inspired me is uh, I was the youngest of a, of a group of people working for a designer brand, and we just opened a new store. And 
within six months, I got in a position where I actually needed to make some decisions and inspire people to cooperate. And I had a really, at 20 years old, I had a really hard time with that. So, so that was definitely, uh, you know, bringing me back to, okay, what motivates people to learn? And, uh, and I, I, I definitely learned some experiences there, which I use today still. But uh, that, that's what I've become much better at now, is understanding what it is that motivates people cooperation education so. so what was it that inspired you to become a pedagogue so i had a few uh study related jobs while i was working while i was studying psychology um i used to work as a bouncer in uh, some of the nightclubs here and big lad me, so i can see that <laughs> yeah so for me as someone who is interested in behavior that that was just a perfect job for me um you know as i got to put ideas and theories in place that could you know just just make what my job easier and make people who are out having a good time have a good time and things not go in the wrong direction um then i started one of my other side jobs i was working as a supply teacher in a school with children with uh, yeah mental health, mainly adhd add and um, autism and you know so i got some skills there about how to yeah, how to help these children uh, some remain calm in a way that they can actually learn something in the class and not disrupt the rest of the class. Um, and then I started working with teenagers who, you know, some of them had diagnosis, some of them were criminals, probably because of their circumstances at home. Um, I must admit, I found working with teenagers quite actually quite difficult. It was a job that I would take home. So it was a I remember being on suicide watch with a girl who was around 15, 16 years old. And uh, two days with her, where we're two, two people, 24 hours a day, like keeping an eye on her. Because the moment, anyway, if you had to go to the bathroom, she would use that as an opportunity to, to attempt suicide. Um, and experiences like that, I remember, I remember not being able to just leave that work. I'll take those experiences home with me, you know, knowing that these children who just have a feeling they don't deserve this, but that's the situation they're in. Um, then I started working with adults doing something similar and I found that a little bit easier to leave at work when I was in tough situations um, and that I guess that made it more and in, more into more interesting for me that I could actually do something where I could put all my energy in it and at the same time be able to maintain my own uh, uh, sanity so, so I've been doing that for about seven years now and um, I really enjoy watching people develop helping them discover what it is they're good at and, you know, in some cases, helping them go from a very bad situation to, you know, to having a much improved, uh, yeah, life standard. How do you make that separation from your work in terms of not letting it have that, bring that energy into you, you know, how do you, how do you make that separation? That's a good question. Um, I think one of the ways is to look at, just to try and look at, the way I see everybody, we all have challenges. Um, and I've stopped comparing people's different uh, difficulties and challenges and, you know, things that we're going through. We're all going through something and it doesn't, it's just, as soon as I put that onto it, then it's like, okay, this person has these specific challenges. I can start to look at it more logically and start to put things into boxes. Um, so yeah, I think compartmentalization is very important to us doing this job because yeah, you can quite easily become extremely empathetic with someone and start to take their emotions and their feelings into you and then you know, it's difficult to, to, to change that and I'm sure most people will have 
especially with your own children, if you just imagine your children getting hurt, like falling and hurting themselves, you can, you can feel it physically in your own body. So some people, if you get too empathetic, you can, you can run the risk of being too affected. So I think just making it a bit more abstract, I guess, I guess that helps to, to, to keep a certain distance from it. So with the people you work with, some of them would be people you work with over a, a long period of time, right? Yeah. So in terms of the relationships you might develop with that person, doesn't there run a risk there of the relationship becoming a bit too attached? Absolutely. Um, fortunately, we, uh, we're a group of people who we, we kind of keep each other accountable. We have meetings like every two or three weeks. Um, and we have a lot of meetings throughout the days when we're working together. So that helps to that helps us to, to keep accountable and not to get too involved and remember that it's, it's, it's not a case of us or them. I mean, our job is very much based on relationships. If you work with someone who's been, for example, a system uh, from they've been a teenager, you know, they've had a lot of relationships build up and then broken because they need to move to another institution or because they've uh, had some kind of sentence where they go to prison, and go to a home. Um, they have parents who haven't really been, uh, a lot of the time it's because of their upbringing. So you have parents who haven't been there for them or, uh, you know, have been abusive. So these are people who have a very hard time of creating relationships, uh, with, especially with new people. So it's, it's, it's a constant balance between creating a relationship but not getting too involved uh, emotionally with the people. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a case of my colleagues and, and I keeping each other accountable. That's the only way we are able to keep that distance. And, and there are some people who do fall too deeply into it. That's, that's going to be unavoidable. And they unfortunately have a really hard time. They say that in Denmark, pedagogues working with children uh, with, yeah, with difficult children, I think they last around seven years on average before they start to burn out. So if you're not good at uh, you know separating yourself, it's a very difficult job to continue. With the people you work with, they must come in at a certain point. So how does it work in terms of their development? Because you said you kind of see what they need at that time, and then it keeps like going up. So then, what happens? Like where does it where does it go? Where does it end? It's very because we look at each individual differently. It's very it's very specific. Um, so we have some people who we can immediately from the start see there's there's very little room for development here um that could be because of a, a very low almost uh, retarded uh, level of intelligence i'm talking like under you know under 50. um another could be because of their environment uh so it's, it's very based on the individual um, but we, we basically look at them see what the history is and and we'll we've tried an hour we'll try different things with, that they might be interested in so if it's if it's to do with sport we might try them in uh we'll start in the gym we maybe we'll try a martial arts club maybe we'll try uh shooting with bows and arrows we'll try cycling we'll try all different things and see what it is that if they don't know already help them to find what it is that interests them if it's academically you know we'll try to help them understand where do they want to be in the future and then do they need to do to get there? Um, so that, that's uh, it's very individual how we work with each of our, our patients. Just in your time working as a pedagogue, are there any are there any kind of experiences that come to mind for you that have really just um, highlighted a really kind of profound moment in your in your journey as a pedagogue? Yeah, I probably have. Uh, yeah, within the last couple of years, I had an experience where. 
Um, I've understood that this job is very, one of the things that makes our job difficult is you have to remember they haven't chosen to be with us. Um, they've been placed here. Um, some maybe they've had a choice in where specifically they're placed, but ultimately they're not with us because they want to be. Um, that's where the relationship becomes really important. Um, you know, once people start to relax where they are, then they'll start to, okay, maybe I can use this. Maybe I can, maybe you guys can actually help me. I have, within the last couple of years, experienced someone who just did not want any help. Um, maybe deep down they did, but all of the behavior and all of the actions just completely contradicted the idea of wanting to get out of the, you know, the hell that they were in. Um, unfortunately, that person is, they've, they've moved on from us now, but they're still in hell. They're still, you know, moving around the system and just life is just not very good for them. Um, what I realized there is that you cannot help someone who doesn't want to be helped. Um, it's quite sad, but it's a reality. Um, there's only so much you can do for someone who doesn't want to be helped, ultimately. That's why I guess what has led me to this idea of, you know, I want to help you. I want to uh, take these skills that I've learned here and bring them out into, you know, we both know that there's a lot of people out there who do want to uh, better their lives. And so that has really inspired me now to let me focus on people who want help. It's amazing how that, that advice about you can't help people that don't want to be helped translates into pretty much every aspect of life. Relationships, you always get people trying to fix people, not going to happen. Yeah. And then in my area of work of coaching, again, like I can only work with people that want to improve and aren't going to let things get in the way. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely something to take on board for sure and remember because we, I have definitely fallen into those traps of trying to help people that don't want to be helped. <laughs> It's really, sad. it's really sad to see, but it is, it is a fact of life. So. so I know you said you are now venturing into the, into the coaching space. Could you tell me a bit more about what you want to do with that? Yeah, so over the years, I've had a lot of uh, conversations with friends and family. Um, and I get the feedback that I'm a good listener. Um, and now I've got all these skills I've learned over the last 10 years or more. And uh, it's just a case of where I've helped certain friends through situations um yeah quite uh, difficult situations i start to start over time to realize actually i can actually do this i can i can give people advice based on what i've learned that can help them out of sticky situations help them out of difficult times um and i'm like okay so l let me find a way to do that let me let me start inviting people in like even just now just with you know i started this not so long ago and already i have a few people who i'm writing to and speaking to online and i'm getting really um, feedback that's encouraging for me like a couple of people who are going through depression at the moment and just by just just giving little pieces of advice uh, just having conversations just giving them some uh, some attention like I can see the response that I get back and you know that's just encouraging me even more um, so that's I guess that's my main I would say it's a motivation it's uh, I want to see everyone uh, have a good life I want to see everyone improving where they want to improve and in, in other cases, um, make them help them to understand the reason they might not be going in the direction they would like to be going in. So that, that's, that's how I've got into this space, I would say. Providing that service. It's, it's clear, obviously, from what you've been doing, that it's all about providing that service to help others improve and, improve and transform. This comes into personal development, too, because I know you've invested into yourself with personal development. Yeah. So... For those people listening who say aren't sure where to start or aren't really sure about how personal development could change their life, how has it how has it helped you? So, have you heard of uh, Simon Sinek? 
yes, I have. in a game game theory. I was just there because we we've spoken we've spoken previously, and I gave you an answer which I thought was quite vague. So I, I wanted to understand, and this is again this is this introspection. I wanted to understand what I said and why did I say that. One of the, the things I realised is this this idea of constant improvement. That we we are we are definitely some people who like the idea of just constantly improving, just constantly getting better. Um, if you take someone who, who who plays a musical instrument, you know they're. they're I imagine their goal is they want to be better at playing this instrument uh, constantly. If you take someone who's learned martial arts, they, they constantly want to be the best martial artist they can be. Well, I think people like you and I take the approach to life generally and with ourselves that we want to improve our lives. We want to have the, the best experience we can through life. So um, for me, it's just a case of as soon as I discover something that I'm maybe not so good at or I think that actually I, I, this is important to me. I would like to be better at this. And I'm always interested. I'll do a little bit of reading. I'll watch a few YouTube clips. I'll, uh, you know, I'll speak to people about it, and and just slowly start to develop my understanding of it. And and just naturally, by having a deeper understanding and very very specific about the things that you're doing wrong and the things that you're doing right, you just you naturally get better at it. I believe. So, um, yeah, I want to help other people do that too. How about right now? What are you What are you working on right now to improve on? Right at this moment, I'm learning about how to use social media and uh, how to, you know, put this message out there. I've, I've, in the last couple of months, I've joined loads of different social medias to see which ones work for me, which ones I'm good at. So I've started a podcast. Um, I'm currently learning. Okay, how do how do I record? How do I make the because the sound is very important in the podcast. So how do I make the sounds the, the most easy on easiest on the ear to hear to listen to? Um, so that's very specific into this idea of promoting this message that I want to get out there, you know, speak to someone to, to improve your life. And I'm one of those people you can speak to. Um, on the personal side, I guess I've been talking about this for a long time, but I'm trying to learn French. Um, like I said, I was fluent when I was a teenager. So I'm, I'm trying to put myself in a position where I can get back to, it or get to a level of fluency again. So those are two things I'm working on at the moment. How about yeah, yourself? I remember in our, Last conversation. Well, for me right now, it's um, investing into myself, coaching, improving my power and ability as a coach is like yeah. first and foremost at the moment. And that's a constant thing. It's always going to be what I'm going to be doing. But apart from that, I'm also, again, working with social media. The last time you we spoke, you mentioned TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's like the second time I heard this now. So I was like, I might as well just get on it. So yeah. I created an, I created one, an account. I mean, I'm mostly on Instagram. That's like my okay. my, my main one but I thought I might as well just see what's going on with this TikTok thing yeah um but apart from that so I actually ordered a few like 12 books the other day I just went on like um a bit of a binge on Amazon <laughs> but I had all these books I wanted to get I just hadn't got around to it but yeah. one of them is called reality transurfing okay and it's like it's like 800 pages in that it's like a it's a hench book <laughs> yeah but from what I've heard about it it's like it's basically like psychocybernetics, but like the PhD level. Okay. And so it's gonna it's gonna take take me a long time to get through because it's one of those books where you have to read it very slowly and very carefully because it's so abstract and so hard to understand in some areas. <clears throat> but I just yeah. had that. <laughs> have you read uh, Beyond Good and Evil? I have not. What's that one about? Um, so it's a Nietzsche. It's a book Nietzsche has written about. Yeah, precisely about the title. Um, I read it when I was a teenager. 
I didn't understand it or maybe I thought I did. Um, I read it again recently on audiobook. And, you know, I can, if I'm driving to and from work, I can get through a book every like nine or 10 days. Uh, I think I was reading this book for about a month and a half um, because I needed to keep rewinding. I needed to get, it was kind of, it was so abstract. Um, and by the time I finished with it, it was like mind blown. It's, uh, I, I couldn't even begin to explain uh, what it's about, but it is, um, if you remember, if you imagine like the, the holy books we have, uh, like the Bible and the Quran and so on, they're so abstract. This is, it's basically a modern philosophical book where it's, it's, if you take each individual line out of the book, you know, it's, it's relatively easy to understand. But overall, it's a, it's a very abstract way of looking at life, you know. And there's a lot of, a lot of things that become apparent. Uh, but yeah, like I say, where a book might take 10 days to get through, that took me about a month and a half, and that was re rewinding and slowing down certain sections and yeah, listening to the same part like 10 times before I can move on. So. Yeah, and there's no point in reading a book and not actually taking in what you're reading because then you're just not doing anything. <laughs> that was um, actually something about, uh, last time was the idea of uh, using new knowledge. You know, if you don't use new knowledge, you, you, you'll forget it. You don't, it doesn't have anywhere to be. If you don't apply something you've learned, you'll forget it pretty quickly. It's always quite unsettling when I think about a book I read like a year ago, and I'm like, not sure what's, what I took from that book because I didn't really absorb it and apply it. Yeah. But to be honest, even if you take one thing from a book, that's enough. At least you've taken something and you've actually applied it. I read a lot of books around psychology or behavior or philosophy and, um, you know, each book that I read, I try to, like you say, just just use at least one thing I've learned from that book and put it into my everyday. And um, and I find that helps the book to stick a lot better in my mind. Um, the books where I, I was going through my reading list today, um, just to see if there's anything I've been wanting to read that I haven't. And I can see books that I've read that I, I absolutely cannot remember what they were about. And it's because I didn't use anything that I learned from it. So. That's why, it's, um, as you said, it's important to read things a second time sometimes because even like with movies, man, like sometimes like I watched a movie as a kid and I watched it again, I'm like, I've, I've watched a different movie now. Yeah, so, like, you didn't see the first time. So. Yeah, just the kind of everyone takes a different thing from what they from reading a book according yeah. to what point in their life they're at and what their perception is then. So that's why it can be... Yeah, it could be just a bit of a, I don't want to say game changer, but it could be a game changer by looking back at a powerful book you once read a few years later. Yeah. So I was checking out your um, Instagram page today, um, and I really like the messages that you're, 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 the videos you're putting up. Uh, I hope everyone's keeping up to them, because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of positive uh, information there. Um, what, what are you about? What is, your, what is your plan with your Instagram page? Let's start there my plan for my page so yeah. for me first and foremost the at my core the only thing i want to do is transform myself and transform others in terms of helping them to be the people they want to be and have the life they want to have yeah. internally and externally so i'm doing that through different methods i'm doing that through my one-to-one -one. i'm eventually going to create my group programs and then my page i'm going to grow that eventually do promo and stuff like that to exponentially grow it but the point of the page is to provide this free value this free advice to help people that want to follow me and to help them transform but then obviously i'm doing that in my business too just in a much more um 
intimate level. So yeah, and then eventually get into public speaking, travel the world, work from abroad, that kind of that kind of vibe, and just keep going, man. So I have a question for you because one of the really positive and encouraging experience I've had both on uh, yeah on TikTok, on Facebook, and on Instagram is that you know when people start to f- resonate with the message that you're like on on TikTok, I'm trying just to educate people uh, with little. I make a few funny videos, and I'll make a few videos about a particular type of mental illness and and i can feel when i've 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 pressed the right button i start to get messages from people and start to have conversations and um you know like uh you know and that's what i'm saying about helping people through depression have you had any ex- experiences where you actually uh actually have really deep conversations with people where you can feel that you know something i've said resonated with this person 100 percent, all the time like whether it's in the dm or whether it's in an actual call you can see that moment when there's like a switch, they have an insight. And it's not usually, a, it's, a mo- it's usually a moment of quiet reflection. Yeah. Like a, it's just a, and then you just, you just like let them, let them be present with it. And like silence and presence is one, of, is one of the most important things as a coach because it gives that space for someone to really process what they just went through. Yeah. And that's one of the most beautiful feelings for me is actually seeing someone have an insight. Because yes. that one that one insight can have an exponential change in someone's life. So it's um, yeah, it's profound, man. <laughs> I think le- exactly that um, that example you gave there. I think the reason I, I enjoy seeing that is because I know how that feels for myself. Like we we're just talking about reading books. You can read a book and then suddenly, you know, like the last ten books you read, then something in this book just clicks and everything falls into place, and it's just this epiphany. It's, it's a it's a it's a really nice feeling. Yeah, I just figured out I've been doing this wrong all this time and now I know how to do it right. So, so, so how about you with um with like your social media and with your work now? Like where do you where do you see it all going? Yeah, I think that was the question you asked me before. I I felt like I gave a really vague answer and I was kind of like, yeah, I'm just gonna see where it goes and see where it takes me. Um so I really like the area of personal development. I believe there's a lot of people who also like the idea of, of becoming better at certain areas of the life or just life in general. Um, you know, even with this uh, uh, movement going on at the moment with uh, police brutality and racism, like even there I'm, I'm looking at what's going on and I really believe that the, 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 the largest part of the solution for this problem is on us as individuals and on us being better as people. So. So where I see myself in the future, yeah, I hope I just can just push this message out that, that I can feel that we're both on the same idea, just pushing out this message of self-development, of, you know, security, still, like just helping people to have a better life and to be better people. I think that will really make the world a better place. So if everyone, even just in the smallest way, tries to make the world a better place, it's, you know, it's the, the, the combination of everybody doing that would be amazing and that's that's the message i'm trying to push starting with myself so that is um that's a really nice way to like conclude that podcast that what you just said there those nice words (laughs) (laughs) in terms of um i know you said now you've got your podcast you've got your content going out and you're wanting to help people so if people want to get insight and check out what you're about what you're doing where can they find you yeah, well, you can find me on, uh, I'd say, primarily on Instagram, which is uh, winston.williams.dk. Um, 
But yeah, I've also got a website which will be, I've got a temporary one up at the moment, winstonwilliams.dk. Um, that will be launched in a couple of weeks, the, the proper website. So you can find all my links, all my information there, and you'll be able to understand what I'm about. And there's actually a direct link to me, so you can contact me directly uh, by SMS or email. So. Awesome. So, um, yeah, thanks for being here today, bro. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. 100%. And, yeah, all of you listening, thanks for listening. And any questions, drop me a message at, on Instagram at The Ascension Coach and on Facebook at Camille Ravine. I'll see you guys next week and have a great day.